Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse podcast, the official podcast of filmpulse.net. Thank you so much for listening. This is episode number 155. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today we have Kevin Rakestraw. How are you doing, Kevin? Uh, not too bad. Not, not too bad? Not too bad. Staying warm? Trying. In these, these cold ar- Arctic blasts? I'm trying. I'm trying my best. These new slippers are really helping. Good. I'm all Good. about these slippers. Nice. Well, let me just tell you a quick story here. So, we tried a new uh, laundry service, and I gave them <laughs> my favorite pair of jeans <laughs> and my only two pairs of sleep pants that I had, sweatpants. Okay. They lost all three. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't have comfortable sleepy time pants to wear. Well, that's the worst. Yeah, it sucks. That's the worst. It sucks. Now, would would you would you recommend this service to your friends? Well, here's the thing. So I've I tried using them a couple times since then, and it was fine. <laughs> the thing is, they're they're really reasonably priced. It's free pickup and free delivery. It's it's a pretty good deal. It's just the- if they don't if as long as they don't lose your clothing. Yeah. I try. I we had some dry cleaning done through them and it was and since then everything's been fine they gave they did give me a 156 dollar credit on my account wow for losing my stuff okay so so i guess it kind of worked out except i still don't have pants to replace the ones (laughs) that they lost (laughs) oh god that's why they're reasonably priced every so often they'll just lose all of your clothes (laughs) it's just something that you have to live with you know what what I started doing because the way that we do we wait till we have a, a f- they give you a laundry bag and basically I've just been waiting until it fills up and then sending it off. Mm-hmm. So what I've been doing is anytime I include a shirt or some pants that I really like, I take a picture of it <laughs> before sending it out. So in <laughs> case it, it doesn't come back, I'll remember like, oh yeah, I did include that shirt. So you sort of have like a. Picture inventory of all your clothes now. Some, some clothes, not just the ones that are like just the expensive. stuff that you really like. Yeah, just just the ones where I I'm not sure of the brand or ones that are particularly expensive because when they lost my stuff, they asked for a picture. They're like, "Oh, can you send us a picture of uh, the pants?" I'm like, "What? Who ke- he keeps pictures of their pants? <laughs> Who does that?" <laughs> People that use that service probably apparently probably yeah. everyone else has learned <laughs> has learned that. Uh, anyway, so that's moral of the story. Take pictures of your pants. If you're if you're interested in the service, it's called Fly Cleaners. It's like dry cleaners, but fly cleaners. Get it? Oh shit! Are they fly? Mm, yeah, yeah. I mean, other than the the pants losing, was, was this company started in the eighties? You think? Mm, probably not because they use an app that's like their whole thing you open up the app and you hit a button and they just come right over uh i thought maybe they started in the 80s and like fly cleaners is like written like the title for fresh graffiti like yeah. bubble bubble <laughs> bubble graffiti no i don't know no i've seen their their vans around town oh they got vans oh yeah they got vans nice oh yeah buddy all right this week We'll be reviewing not one, but two vampire movies in yet another 
unintentional theme. I know, but this one was me, and I didn't even realize yeah, you, it. You realized it, yeah. You realized it first. It just and it, when it hit me, I was just giddy like a little child, <laughs> and I actually immediately texted you. Yeah, yeah. I was very excited. So we'll be talking about Jermaine Clement and Taika Watiti's "What We Do in the Shadows," which came out on demand and in select cities this weekend. We'll also be talking about Spike Lee's The Sweet Blood of Jesus. That sweet, sweet blood. Sweet, sweet blood of Jesus. <laughs> uh, that is so far the best title to say so yes. far in 2015. I think so, yeah. I can say it all day and have been. I think so. We'll also be talking about someone we've been watching... And, of course, we'll be going over this week's movie predictions, new on video on demand and DVD and Blu-ray releases. Remember, you can send us your questions to podcast.filmpulse.net or leave us a comment on the site. We'd love to hear from you. Let's go ahead and just jump right into it. Oh, uh, yeah. Do you, want, you, you want to do what we do in the shadows first? Yeah, let's get, let's, let's get into that one since that came out like three years ago. <laughs> so, I saw this at Sundance 2014. <laughs> So it's been well over a year since I first saw this one, and I, I have seen it since then, so it's not completely lost to me as far as what happens in this movie. Yeah. So I have a synopsis here. Uh, Viago, Deacon, and Vladislav are vampires who are finding that modern life has, has them struggling with the mundane, like paying rent, keeping up with the chore wheel... <laughs> Trying to get into a nightclub and overcoming flatmate conflicts. This is a mockumentary, and before you immediately scoff at the idea of a mockumentary, you gotta see this movie because it, it kind of breathes new life into the whole mockumentary thing. I don't think I've seen a mockumentary this funny and this enjoyable since maybe Best in Show. Yeah, I would I would agree. It is so goddamn funny, this movie. See, that's the uh, quote they should have used. <laughs> so goddamn funny. DVD cover, guys. Slap it on there. So, I have my review up on the site. Kevin, we'll start with you. What did you think of What We Do in the Shadows? Uh, I 100% agree with you. Because <clears throat> I was a little trepidatious with this whole mockumentary thing. And wondering how and if they could sustain that for 86 minutes. Right. Because, you know, it sounds like a great idea in theory, but at the same time, you just, you're going into it thinking, like, this, this is going to wear out its welcome, isn't it? But it doesn't. I mean, a little bit, it takes a while to get its footing in the beginning. It was a little rough for me. But once it settles into its little groove of getting the new vampire and then mm -hmm. having... <laughs> His buddy come along with him, Stu, and Stu, you know, introducing and they him. Love Stu. <laughs> they just they lo just love Stu. <laughs> Stu is the best, and he helps him get acclimated to the, you know, to the present. The yeah, to the present day, and it's just it's a lot of good stuff. And then the the werewolves come in, which just adds a whole another layer to it. It just yeah, that was it really that works. was one thing. Yeah, that was one thing that I didn't know about this movie is that there are other creatures in this there's zombies and werewolves yes in it too. and so the werewolves almost steal the show every time they show up yes <laughs> they <t> <laughs> we're werewolves not <laughs> werewolves 
And just the fact that you have Reese Darby playing like the head werewolf yeah, of the, the little, yeah, it's just it's fantastic. And yes, the fact perfect. that he's he's so against swearing, like that you know that these werewolves are really about manners and try their hardest. But I do love the fact that they break down on a full a full moon, and mm-hmm. you know tensions get high, and you know you just gotta vent some steam, and you're allowed to swear on the full moon day. It's understandable. There's so many sequences and little scenes in this movie that I could quote and talk about and laugh at after the fact. The bat fight was really funny. Yes. <laughs> and that that brings me to one thing that you and I talked about this before. I don't know if it was on the air. I don't think it was. But the special effects in this movie are actually quite good. It's actually, uh, it's actually the most surprising aspect of this film. I was they do... really taken aback by the special effects in this yeah movie. like there's a lot of there's a lot of effects work going on in this movie surprisingly so and it all looks very good the tra- the bat transformations and things like that all look really good and uh look really cool too yeah and especially the the one where you're kind of introduced to vladislav with his yeah when he the when they <laughs> open the door and <laughs> yeah. it's like well that's that's that brings me to that brings up another point each of these vampires that live in this house this flat together are they're kind of different vampire stereotypes they're, each of them are a vampire from uh, a separate movie type or lore yeah you know like Vladislav's uh, like he he could be like the interview with a vampire type interview, and then there's Peter, who's the like Nosferatu style vampire. Who's the, he's really funny, even though he doesn't even talk. Yeah, he barely does anything, but yeah, I laughed every single time they show his face. <laughs> Peter. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Uh, Peter. 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 So, yeah, there's just really surprising. There's. I like well, there's the... there's that mix, but there's also the mix of they're kind of playing up the whole like uh, real world stereotypes. Like you have right. Deacon's the bad boy, mm-hmm. which the first time that I watched this film, Deacon was the one that I couldn't get on board with. I just I didn't like his character. I couldn't really get into him. The second time around, uh, Viago was was the one that I had trouble with. Oh, I think Viago is hilarious. I, I thoroughly I enjoyed so Viago funny. the first time through. But the second time through, I thought maybe his, uh, his, uh, him having that appearance of being in on the joke and kind of like winking and head nodding at the camera constantly throughout, mugging, whatnot, is a bit much. But uh, again, it's not, it's not enough to be like, oh, it's not a good movie. Yeah, I didn't have a problem with any of the characters, really. I thought that each of the characters were unique enough in their comedy each of them had their own little quirks and things and i like that because it it made things feel fresh to me and they all worked off of each other and i just like the dynamic between the flatmates i thought they were all really funny like the scene where they're trying to get dressed up to go to the nightclub but they can't see themselves in the mirror because they're vampires so they have to draw pictures of each other <laughs> oh god <laughs> Oh man, I I just want to rewatch this now because it's and I my <laughs> my two favorite parts. First one being was when the the police show up at their flat mm-hmm. and they decide instead of killing them that maybe they should hold off for a little bit 
and find out more of you know the safety hazards that they have in their apartment mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and then my absolute favorite thing of the movie is the character of nick mm-hmm. the newly <laughs> the newly tra- <laughs> new- transitions vampire who doesn't shut the fuck up about it no he tells everybody he's a, he tells he's a vampire absolutely everyone including a vampire hunter Yes. <laughs> Which was, that was kind of an interesting little thing, too. Uh, and just the fact that the guy's like, I'm a vampire hunter. And he's like, oh, shut the fuck up. Email me. <laughs> and I was oh. actually quite surprised by uh, the guy that plays Nick, Corey Gonzalez Macer, or I'm not sure how you pronounce his name, but his his performance was hands down the highlight for me. I thought he was fantastic in this. Yeah, he was really fun. His... The dialogue, his dialogue delivery felt unscripted and very natural. Yes, it was very, very real feeling. When they would do the, when he would do the kind of confessional interviews to the camera, like how they do in a lot of these shows and uh, this style of documentary, uh, it felt like he was just genuinely having a conversation with us. Mm -hmm. And I just... Talking to the camera. I love after the bat fight, you know, when they're... They're sitting in the diner or whatever, eating. Just that small where he just looks at his shirt and there's that tear in it. And he's just so bummed out about it. <laughs> and, then, and then, you know, when he realizes that he can't eat chips and just the sadness that overcomes him is never being able to eat chips again. I just, I felt for the guy. Yeah, it's like, that's, it that's, suck. It's got to be a bummer. Can't eat chips anymore. Yeah, it would definitely he just, suck. He just has a rough time transitioning. Mostly because he brings it upon himself because he doesn't shut the fuck up. But at the same time, feel for the guy. Hey, look down at your plate. It's worms. <laughs> yeah, he just, you know, he doesn't he doesn't quite get it. It's not, uh, he's not on board with everything just yet. You know, these guys, all the, everyone else has been vampires for, you know, hundreds of hundreds. years. Yeah, hundreds of years. This guy's on like day five. So he's, I he's, I hitting like a lot of, I, he's hitting a lot of speed bumps. I thought that was a kind of a cool little plot point to put in there where you have the new guy. Yes. And, of course, Deacon doesn't get along with him. No. It is, it's, it's a very good idea, which I thought was well executed. And, like I said, I had to hold another layer to it because now you have someone of the present day becoming a vampire yeah. and you're not relying on the stereotypes of mm-hmm. all the other vampire movies out there. I think that there's enough content in here that they could expand it into one or two more movies. I would love to see a. I know it's never going to happen. No, but I want to see. I would a, love. I would love to see a sequel because really, you could break these things up into its own movie. Like if they just had the plot where Nick was the new vampire and he was getting acclimated, and there was the whole issue between him and Deacon. That that could have been by itself. That they that could have been the only thing that they included, but they put in the vampire hunter thing. And then also the, uh, the party where all of the monsters get together. They included all of that stuff in there. And And there's just, it felt like they really packed in the content of this. Then you have that, the subplot with the beast, Mm -hmm. which for me was really the only thing that didn't work. I didn't, I wasn't really in. I could have, yeah, I could have done without that. I mean, the hell, you could have just a spinoff of the werewolves. I would watch that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I actually really want to watch that. So please make that a spinoff movie. 
I just want to see more of the werewolves. I was really surprised at how they did did that because I'm pretty sure. Well, when I saw it, I don't even think there was a trailer or anything, so I had like no idea that they had werewolves. And I loved the party at the end where they <laughs> there's that one that one vampire guy that looked horrible, <laughs> and they just kept pointing out how bad he looked. <laughs> Oh god damn. And then you got Stu right there in the middle of everything. Yeah, Stu the human. <laughs> <laughs> just he doesn't really talk. No. Just straight face. He just he you know, he seemed like a really good guy. Really yep. really helpful, actually. They all Stream. love Stu. <laughs> and how how can you not really? I mean, he does so much. Mm-hmm. He really helped them out. Yeah. Stu, yep. I mean, he's just a good guy. He's a good mate. I don't know how this is available. How is this available? <laughs> I guess we should like look into that. Maybe did it? I don't is know that... if it actually came out on VOD. It might just. I know it's playing in theaters around here, but I don't know if it's uh, if it came out on VOD yet because there was that, that Kickstarter thing yeah. that was successful. So maybe there's going to be uh, a bigger rollout w- within the next few weeks. Yeah, I don't. Th- I don't think it is VOD. Well, when it does finally come out, I would highly recommend. I don't understand why this didn't get a, a bigger release. I don't. I just don't get it because this is the type of movie where I think I think it could appeal to broad audiences. Yeah, but I mean, you have the whole Flight of the Concords yeah going on too, which has a decent following. Yeah, here I am kind of baffled by that. But yeah, uh, I don't know what happened. You know, black or whites and shit ton of theaters. Yep. But this, yep. nope. Nah. I could also nah. I can go to my theater right now and see that old fashioned movie, which, oh, I, yeah. which I don't even know what the hell that is. But nah. that's playing. That's playing on like two screens, I think. What? But uh, what we do in the shadows? No, that's not happening. Hmm. And I got it, he. What's what's his last name? With TT, is that how you say it? I guess he's becoming one of my favorite comedic filmmakers. With this and Boy, oh my goodness! Yeah, I just I want to see everything he makes. I I even like Eagle versus Shark. I like Eagle versus Shark too. It's been a while since I've seen it, but I might have to revisit that one. Yeah, that was like kind of during that whole Napoleon Dynamite trend where there was a lot of kind of quirky, quirky, weird comedies like that. Yeah, that deadpan quirkiness yeah but i do remember it enjoying that one a lot so uh in my review i gave what we do in the shadows an eight out of ten kevin what are you gonna give this bad boy out of ten i give it a hard eight hard eight hard eight out of ten absolutely see this if it's coming to your area i don't know what the distribution is gonna be i know that they did get their kickstarter funded so uh, I think that that means that it's going to be expanding to more cities, and I know that there is some sort of VOD release that's in the works. So uh, check this, check it out as soon as you can, because it's uh, excellent, it. very funny. Get on it. Let's move on to one that's not so hilarious, or maybe it is. <laughs> maybe it is. I depends, don't know. It depends on how you look at it. Yeah, uh, the sweet blood of Jesus. This is uh, written and directed by Spike Lee. Uh, I have a synopsis here. Uh, 
Dr. Hess Green becomes cursed by a mysterious ancient African artifact and is overwhelmed with a newfound thirst for blood. He, however, is not a vampire. Okay, so <laughs> we cleared that up. Taking Soon care. after his transformation, he enters into a dangerous romance with Ganja Hightower that questions the very nature of love, addiction, sex, and status. Uh, okay, I'll start this one off. Um, start it. Hit it. I, I just didn't like this movie. I didn't enjoy it. I thought... So, both you saw Ganja and Hess, right? Correct. Okay. I saw most of it. Full disclosure, I didn't finish it, but... I did see probably three quarters of it. This is essentially a remake, oh. almost shot for shot. Almost. I mean, and there's a lot of dialogue straightly lifted from Ganjin Hess. Right. So I, I saw this first. I saw the Spike Lee version first. Then I went and watched most of the original. And from what I saw the original, I, I liked it more. Uh, the only reason... The only reason for that was just because it looked older and grittier. Well, yeah, it's got that that seventies roll. Yeah, to it. that that really the aesthetic is the only thing that that made me like it slightly more. But it, it's kind of a tough thing to compare because they're just so similar. Yeah, there's there's a few things I noticed here and there, few a few differences. Um, but focusing on the Spike Lee one. Uh, I just wasn't, I wasn't entertained by it. A lot of it I found to be just silly. I just, I couldn't take it seriously. And I know that there is a lot of serious messages that Spike Lee's trying to convey in this movie, but uh, I, I just wasn't on board. Oh, no. Except, oh, no. except the fact that I did think that a lot of this movie looked really good. I love Spike Lee's camera work. I just think that his, he just has such an eye for for framing things and... Uh, I just, I love the way it looked. I'll say that. I would agree with you on that one. I actually did thoroughly enjoy this movie. I enjoyed the sweet, sweet blood of JC. You're all about that I'm sweet all about blood. that sweet blood of JC. I thoroughly enjoyed this one. I was actually quite surprised. And t- to go even further, I like this new Spike Lee. I enjoyed Red Hook Summer, except for the when he, you know, had to throw in that plot line towards the end. I Which I think whole, I thought that movie fell apart at the end. Yeah, that's. I, I mean, up until that point, that I was in love with that movie until he had to throw in that whole, you know, narrative with the the preacher and everything. And it's just it felt. Yeah. It felt like it almost kind of felt like the, he that that was kind of forced in there because the movie didn't really have a plot. But anyways, the last two films that I see in Red Hook Summer and then this one, I'm not counting. Oh boy, I know I act like that one doesn't exist. I'm I'm enjoying this new Spike Lee. Yeah, I eh, I guess I'm enjoying it. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I I don't know how new I don't know how new this feels to me. How how new of a Spike Lee this feels to me. I don't know. I like the look of it. I like the feel of it. I um I think he did make some changes from Ganja and Hess. Um, number one thing that's not in there is you won't really have any of the experimental work that that the original had. No, there's none of the uh, the slow motion, like the dream like yeah, the dream sequences and the cutaways and stuff, which were without a doubt the highlight of Ganja and Hess. All those sequences, you know, the the queen and everything would 
walking yeah. through the field. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the, the sound design of Ganjin Hess, where they had like the African chanting, yeah. how it would layer upon itself, like echo, like throughout the entire movie, that shit's going on, and it just really fucks with you. It annoyed me. Oh, come on now. <laughs> it was just, it was cool at first. I was like, oh, this is kind of weird. And then, like, they just keep doing it. They keep doing it. And it's just like, ugh. All right. Uh, I thoroughly I enjoyed it. that. The Sweet Blood doesn't have that. The Sweet Blood actually has a very odd uh, soundtrack. Yeah. And it... I'd say it's odd. <laughs> You're mixing hip-hop with Bruce Hornsby. Bruce Hornsby's in there, yeah. Which I actually... I enjoyed some of the like the piano pieces that were in there, especially the... The sequence where uh, Ganja is talking about like her her childhood, that moment yeah, where they're at the all that stuff. That's just the way it is. That's the way it is. Ganja's got to take care of Ganja. Some things will never change. That's right. Do 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 do. And it's it's also missing a lot of the like the philosophical musings that Ganja has had. Which is kind of odd to me. The sweet blood of Jesus felt like a more, um, like a tighter film. It felt more streamlined. But then I look, and it's longer than Ganja and Hess. And I don't know if it was just maybe because of the pace that he has to it, and it always feels like the movie's going forward. Whereas Ganja and Hess, he seems to, Bill Gunn seems to sort of like stay on things for a bit too long. Like the mm-hmm. the opening mm-hmm. sequence where they're the guys in the tree that just yeah. seems to last forever. It is kind of funny because when he first sees him, I've been drinking. <laughs> Would you put my drink? <laughs> I saw you put something in my drink. I was just getting the dead ants out of there. <laughs> uh, and I just love the whole progression of that. Like, here's your new assistant. He tries to commit suicide the first night. And he's like, yeah, we're going to keep working together. No. How do you let him back in your house? I don't know. He tries to kill you. <laughs> yeah, I don't, well, he actually does kill you. Well, yeah, technically he does <laughs> kill you. And I just love in Bill Gunn's the, how it just it automatically cuts to him laying down, smoking a cigarette, getting blood done. I mean, just the 70s, man. You could get blood <laughs> taken while you're smoking a cigarette, yeah. just maxing and relaxing. <laughs> uh, one thing that they included in both movies was the brushing the teeth in the bathtub mm-hmm. thing and i was like why, why? One, so gross <laughs> one with water one without though yeah. i like how in spike lee's version he's just in a bathtub he's just laying no, in the bathtub with no water whatsoever brushing his teeth uh i thought a lot of the dialogue in in the spike lee version was just i wasn't i thought it was just silly i love the first when after he first turns and there he's having that party and the one lady goes, how long have you been collecting African art? And he just goes, Africa's my passion. And then walks away. <laughs> like, it's like, what kind of non-answer is that? Why couldn't he just be like, wow, like 10 years. Africa's my passion. Peace. <laughs> it does. I would say that uh, Spike Lee seems to have more uh, comedy in it. He seems to play some things for laughs. Yeah, like the... Uh, which is a little... The, the valet or wh- yeah. whoever that guy yeah, is. Yeah, Rami Malik's character. I like that. I, I, I like him and pretty much everything he's in. Uh, but yeah, they kind of treated him... Uh, a lot of the stuff that they showed him in was like comedic relief. Like the 
grocery bags and the, the trying to carry the umbrella in and this is facial expressions when they're kissing after they yeah. get married <laughs> he's not happy and, and the clap how he turns his head and <laughs> does the, the clap <laughs> see those things uh, kind of work for me I don't, oh, yeah they that I, worked i don't know it was kind of like he was spike lee's updating ganjan Hass. he still has um a lot of the the heavy subject material in there from the yeah. original he doesn't seem to harp on it as much as bill guns does and he had some comic relief to it which i and thought because... worked after because i watched ganjan Hess first and then immediately watched the sweet blood of jesus and I don't know if that played a role. Hmm. You know, if maybe know. If, maybe if I watched the Sweet Blood first and then watched Ganja and Hess, it maybe maybe it would have been a different outcome. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't want to say that I hated this movie or anything like that. I just a lot of it just didn't work for me. I just wasn't on board with any of the characters. I thought that that Ganja was uh, pretty horrible, and I hated her. And uh, I didn't care what happened to her, and I didn't care what happened to him either. I just, I it, it didn't grab me. The story didn't didn't grab me. The visuals grabbed me. I was I was very into the visual style, but I also feel like I've seen a lot of movies that deal with this subject matter in the same way. Like how many movies have we seen where they it, it's a movie about addiction, but they disguise it as something else? And I just yeah, but uh, there's not a lot of movies that kind of deal with the whole white assimilation. That, angle that's true which is that's the true, very very interesting angle and that was the, maybe the maybe that's what got me for both movies was that i really haven't seen that discussed in a film before maybe i just haven't seen other films that discuss that which could definitely maybe... be which could definitely be true because i really can't think of another film that kind of goes into white assimilation while also discussing religion and stuff yeah uh the the yeah the religious angle i wasn't entirely on board with that either especially that incredibly long gospel number which is fun did did you get to the gospel number in ganja and hess no i didn't okay because that sequence is even longer oh it's it's like an entire church service going (laughs) on man (laughs) which it it kind of sucks you in which is that's what i'm saying it's kind of weird that Ganjin Hess is actually shorter than the Sweet Blood of Jesus, but it it might be because of that where these in Ganjin Hess those sequences just seem to, seem to go on and on and on, and you're like, holy shit, I'm sitting and watching an entire church service. Yeah, can we speed just, this up? Uh, but I, but in Spike Lee's you get uh, Tony Tony Tony, so yeah, you have that again. That that scene I will say looked good. Love the look. I love but... the look of the the camera. Mm-hmm. The fixed, pan, fixed, the... fixed on his face, and the, yeah, just, uh, I enjoyed that. That was good stuff. Yeah, that was good. I liked it. The uh, the other thing that that made me laugh made me laugh out loud. There was a scene where Ganja and Hess were mm-hmm. eating. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> and just just does a random cut to her eating a berry. No. And... <laughs> the best part is that it's a quick cut. To yeah. her whole just oddly, very oddly holding a bowl of fruit, like yeah. up by her face, and then just getting some berries out, putting it in. And the funny thing is, is as I'm watching this scene, I'm just like, what the fuck is going on? Why the fuck is this here? 
Yeah. But is he trying to go for like the the sloppiness of the seventies movie with the editing and stuff? Is he you know trying to well, it, get some laughs out of that? And my favorite part is is that he then cuts to Stephen Tyrone Williams's face, which was the exact look that I had on my face, where he just kind of looks like, "What the fuck is going on? Yeah, why are you eating berries? Smashing like berries into her face and dribbling them everywhere." And I was just like, "Whoa, whoa, what is happening here?" I don't know if it was meant to be played for laughs or if it was actually supposed to be kind of a an erotic sensual scene i don't I think, know i think it was it had to be for laughs because well, the editing it, the editing of that well, that, that was the weird so, part it's so terrible Ugh. and see that that i guess is why this movie didn't work for me because i wasn't feeling that homage i wasn't feeling that this was supposed to be looking like uh one of these kind of black exploitation style films of 70s I, I wasn't feeling that at all it felt very digital it felt very deliberate and uh for that it just uh, i don't know now the, the thing that i found interesting which is the biggest change between the two movies is when ganja gets turned and they sort of set up for her to have her first killer whatever you want to call it in the original it's a man and there's a long sex scene with her and this man and then she does what she does mm-hmm. and then the new one spike lee does it with another female which i thought was an odd change yeah that was an odd change i'm wondering why mm, i would I change know. it that way i don't know I, other than to make it more sexy i don't know that's the, see that's the only thing i can think of which that kind of rubs me the wrong way a little bit oh there's a lot of uh a lot of nudity in this movie i mean it is a love story so it's an odd love story <laughs> it's an odd love story it's an unconventional love story yeah yeah a little bit <laughs> it's just a lot of things about this movie kind of rubbed me the wrong way i didn't i didn't understand it just seemed like their relationship happened out of nowhere it just it just popped up out of nowhere oh yeah well if you think about it god Jim has there's a lot of stuff missing <laughs> let's be honest the whole, the how it all comes about with the assistant, this just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Yeah. But it's the 70s. Come on. Sloppy. Sloppy but fun and raw. And I liked it. I liked both of them. And this is that, like, normally, I'm you know me, I'm completely against remakes. I hate remakes. I didn't actually know The Sweet Blood of Jesus was a Ganja and Hess remake. I had no idea. No, I didn't either. Until this weekend. <clears throat> so, but I got to think, like, if if... The question came down to, okay, someone has to remake Ganjin Hess. Who would you want to do it? I can't really think of anyone besides Spike Lee to do it. Tyler Perry. I don't want to see that happen. <laughs> he has no cinematic eye whatsoever, which we'll get into later. Yeah, I, I, think that's, I think that Spike Lee is a good choice uh, if, if that were to get remade. But why, why that movie? Why would that get... You know what I'm saying? Like, I know, I know. I don't, I don't why know is it why necessary to remake that? I, don't, I, I have no idea. I'm not sure. He felt compelled to for some reason, I guess. And it I also finally mm. got me to watch Ganja and Hess because that's I've been wanting to watch this movie for like two years, and I just keep it's putting... it's odd because I was following. You know, this was funded on Kickstarter, and it was like a whole big deal that he was getting involved with Kickstarter, and it, I thought it was funny how 
there was never any mention that this was a remake of Ganjin Hess ever. Yeah. Which is, I don't know. It's good stuff. Good stuff. I actually thoroughly enjoyed, uh, so, what is it? Zahara Abrams. Her performance is Ganja. Ganja. Yeah, she was fine. She was fine. And real quick, that joint. <laughs> that was a fatty. That was ridiculous. <laughs> it was a fatty joint. She she pulled that out and you was just like, damn. It was ridiculous. It was like, damn. <laughs> you did come straight from Amsterdam. How did you get through customs with that shit? <laughs> How? Oh, God. Ridiculous. Loved, uh, I loved uh, his house, too. Oh, his house was F- fantastic. It was uh, on Martha's Vineyard, right? That's right, yeah. Beautiful. Right on the water. Just beautiful. Right on the water. He had his own, like, private pond there, too, it looked like. Yeah. He had a nice setup. That was a nice setup, you gotta say. Whew. Good setup. Good setup. He, uh, he picks up Snoop. Oh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's, what, that's the only thing I wanted to talk about. Snoop from The Wires in this. Uh, and I didn't even recognize her until she started talking. And I was like, oh, okay, there's Snoop. I didn't love her. Her Anytime. first couple of lines where she's just like, hey, do you know that that woman? He's like, no. Nah. He's like, well, you look like something, something. And then there's just a pause. And she's like, anyways. It's just like, <laughs> it's so stilted. And at the same time, fantastic. I, it feels like the goddamn 70s movie. I'd love I love Snoop and I think she's the worst actor ever but but I just I love everything that I've seen her in which is only this in the wire. Uh, uh, that was uh that was definitely an interesting scene with her. And that's played played a bit different than the original as well. I think that one was played a little bit more for laughs too, especially the way that she responds. Yeah. At the end, yeah. you mean? Yeah. 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 De- definitely yeah all right uh kevin what are you gonna give the sweet blood of jesus out of 10 oh i'm gonna give that sweet blood like a seven seven uh, all right seven. i'm gonna go ahead and give it a five and a half five and a half jerk mm-hmm. almost jerk. based solely on the visuals and some of the comedic moments that we mentioned previously you're it's getting a a solid 5.5 because of that sensual berry eating <laughs> the sensual and the hornsby score got that hornsby score going any movie that has bruce hornsby mixed with random hip-hop at put put in at completely random times where it's just it doesn't fit with what's happening on screen at all like i remember there was one scene where it was just a car pulling into uh his driveway it was playing this like loud thumping hip-hop song and it's we're watching a car parking <laughs> i also forgot the the four white guys at the party where they're just like bucky dead bucky dead yeah <laughs> yeah what was that i i'm missing something there Some, <laughs> something's going on that i'm not clued into but at the same time i loved it just their back and forth what the hell was that that was odd, yeah. Oh, man. I don't know. I'm actually starting to come around on this movie. It's like a sweet <laughs> hot... It's like a sweet hot mess. The sweet blood of JC. Good times. I can see. I can see why he wanted to take this to Kickstarter and kind of independently fund it. Because I don't think if any studio... No, no. Uh-huh. ...was involved, they wouldn't let him do 
He, no. They wouldn't let him just completely go off the rails like that. No, no, they wouldn't. So I appreciate it for that. I just... plus it all it also gives you that added value of getting to see producers such as Mark Mark Cuban and yeah. who else is on it? Joachim Noah. Which is which kind of begs the question: Why was Kickstarter even necessary when you have Mark Cuban and as Steven Soderbergh, a producer, and so, Steven Soderbergh, Soledad like, O'Brien? I mean, come on! What, did you really need people's money to make this movie? That's what I'm saying. I I thoroughly believe that half of these these big time Kickstarter it's just publicity. They already have the money. They have it well, tied. He, would, he would have been able to make this movie without the Kickstarter funding. I know, but the Kickstarter drums he up could, some He could interest. have funded the damn thing himself. No, I, yeah, I know what you're saying. I, I agree. It, it, it's like, uh, you know what it is? It's, it's like if somebody is, um, if you go to somebody, an, an investor for funding, and you're like, hey, I got this movie, uh, people are going to love it. And they're, the, the investor is probably going to be like, well, how do you know? You know, and then with Spike Lee, he can be like, look, all these people gave me like a million dollars on Kickstarter. There's a, a ton of people that are into this. I think he got even more than a million, actually. And they don't even know that it's a Gajan Hess remake. And they don't even know. These fucking idiots, they don't even know. I'm just making a nearly shot for shot remake of a film from the 70s that they probably never even heard of. They don't even know. Don't these even are, know. So all I need, I already got like two mil from these rubes. Just, <laughs> just give me like three or four more, and this movie's done in the can. Well, one stipulation though, I'll give you the money on one stipulation. Bruce Hornsby, fucking Bruce Hornsby, <laughs> has to do the score. I just have a couple of things that I want to make sure that I get in there. I know they seem a little bit weird, but Bruce Hornsby, you gotta have him doing the score, and I want to mix it in with some random assortment of hip hop. To just kind of, you know, round everything out. And you, I, don't want, and I want some sensual berry eating. Exactly. You don't know this, but I have a really weird fetish. I'm really into Zahar Abrams, and I like how women eat berries very centrally. So if you could just quick cut of that in there, you got however much money you want. You I got to have Snoop from The Wire being in there, <laughs> just doing her thing. There you go. Oh, boy. The Sweet Blood of Jesus is playing in select cities now and on demand. Vimeo. Vimeo. On demand, which is uh, a very... That's kind of a weird place to release it. I think it's also on iTunes. Is, so. is it on iTunes and Amazon so. and all that? Okay. I think so. There you go. But I gotta say, I, I really like the the setup of Vimeo. Of Vimeo? Yeah, watching... Oh, on demand yeah, stuff? Yeah, of watching the, the films that I've watched on Vimeo. Man, that works out really nice. I like. I love Vimeo. I like, I like that platform. I love everything about Vimeo. Love it. Love that Vimeo. It's clean. It's simple. Exactly. It works. Exactly. Everything is high def. No, no BS with Vimeo. That's right. Um, Ganjin Hess is on Mubi. So if you have a Mubi subscription, you can also stream Ganjin Hess. If you don't have a Mubi subscription, it is also on Fandor. Okay, there you go. So if you have Fandor, it's on there too. Bam! It's it's so, it's in so many places. Pretty shitty quality though. Yeah, uh, it's a it's it's. I rough. guess they haven't got around to um, which someone, remastering that. Someone does. Someone needs to give that movie some love and attention. It's shitty quality, but it's not. It's not like shitty VHS quality. No, it's not it doesn't. That low. It doesn't 
it doesn't take away from the film. It almost adds to it. Yeah, it feels like you're watching uh, like a, an original print of Texas Chainsaw Massacre or something, where it's it's very gritty and grainy. It's I, and you can see there's so many flaws in the film. So there's much like, lint. <laughs> so yeah, much I think I, I think towards the beginning of the film. For like 10 minutes, there's a giant hair at the bottom of the screen. And it just won't go away. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a little bit filthy. But I also love the, like, the, the static hiss. Like it's an old-timey record. Yeah, yeah. I think that that actually adds to it. So check it out. Uh, Ganjin Hess is the original one, Fandor and Movie. Let's go ahead and move on and talk about some of what we've been watching. I think I'll kick it off this week. I'll kick it. Uh, I saw Daisies from 1966. This is this was the first one I watched. Oh yeah, sort sort of the first one I watched in your in your challenge to me. What do you mean? Sort I, of? I watched. Well, oh. I've been tr- I've been trying to get through a couple of them. <laughs> Go on. So there, I've watched part of two others. Wait, which one are those? Uh, the Pornographers, and also The Cremator. Okay. And it's not that I don't like them or anything. It's just that uh, I'll, I'll put them on at, at just bad time, just bad timing, and I'll get real tired and start to fall asleep, and I'll have to turn them off. <laughs> no trouble sitting through, like, Enter the Dangerous Mind or anything. But mm, the, but the... I wouldn't say that. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. <laughs> Oh, I try to I try to cram in a lot of stuff, and sometimes it just doesn't work. It doesn't work out for you. Get very tired. Get very worn out. Understandable. Uh, Daisies, though, I was able to sit through that all in one shot. Didn't have to. Didn't have to take any breaks. Didn't have to take any naps while 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 I was getting through it. Uh, Mostly because it's only seventy four minutes long. Yeah, it's a short one. I've seen clips of this plenty of times. I, I knew what it was about. Um, and it was pretty much exactly what I expected. Yeah. I enjoyed it very much. It's just, it's just a fun movie. It was just, uh, it felt very light. I liked the weirdness of it, but it, it was just kind of about two girls having fun. Just having fun. Just suckering some guys. Yeah. I love the, just, I love how they sucker the guys and what they yeah. get out of them, which is just food. Really, A lot of food. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which I like as I'm watching I'm kind of thinking I I want that to be my life kind of I like how this movie and I'm sure that there's other movies that are structured like this but I like how the first scene of the movie is just the two of them sitting there and they're like hey like everybody in this world is spoiled let's let's be spoiled too and then that's it it's like <laughs> a 30 second setup for yes. the whole movie and then the rest of the movie is just them living it up exactly I love it. Which I, yes. I was kind of surprised because I saw on Letterboxd, you liked my review. So I was like, oh shit, he watched Daisies. And the interesting thing is, is I've always thought, you know, I really enjoyed this movie. When I think back to it, I loved it. I want to revisit it. I actually tried to, didn't get around to it. But then, I'm, you know, I see on Letterboxd that it was the three-star review. They give it three stars. It just doesn't seem right. I'm confused by that. Well, you said that it does become a bit tiresome at points, and I will really? agree with that. I think maybe time is time is uh, taking care of that. I don't remember that instance. I'm gonna have to revisit that one though. 
I gave it a three and a half on Letterboxd. I had a lot of fun with it. Certainly not a movie for just anyone. I think that I think that it does. It, it could easily become grating for some people to to just watch these two girls uh, kind of be assholes for seventy four minutes. <laughs> Uh, but they're having so much fun being assholes, though. Yeah, they're have they're just having a blast. They're just having a blast. They're dancing around. They're causing a ruckus. Oh, there's so much ruckus going on. Yeah. Either way, I do recommend checking it out. It's also, I guess, uh, kind of a. It was kind of uh, revolutionary for the time. I'm assuming because it had two young, strong female directed, leads. Directed by a woman too. Directed by a woman, yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people do point to it as, you know, a uh, very influential feminist film. And I can, I can I see totally that. see that. Yeah, I can yeah. see that. So I agree. That's da- that's Daisy's. Uh, I saw it on Hulu Plus, so it is available there. You can stream it if you have an account. All right. We're talking on all sorts of streaming places and platforms. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. I have one real quick that I just want to throw out there because I completely forgot to mention this in last week's podcast. Um Because I saw this, and within, literally, one day, completely forgot that I saw it. And I didn't come to that realization until, like, six days later. And that's the disappearance of Eleanor Rigby. Uh, One quick question before we get into this. Why does it say, the disappearance of Eleanor Rigby, colon, them? Okay, we'll get into it. Okay, so this was two films. There's Eleanor Rigby, colon, him, which follows James McAvoy... And it's his story of what's going on. And then the, the the other film is Eleanor Rigby colon her, which follows Jessica Chastain's character, and it's her story. And oh. then them is the two of them weaved together. So I, it's actually I, like two oh, I didn't know that. two standalone films about the same thing, but from two different perspectives. And then them is tying them together. Which I so really th- so wait wait uh, so is it three it's or three is the there's three footage in them just taken from the other two yeah the footage in them is just like a recut of the other two movies so it is essentially three movies technically except the third one just uses footage from correct the other two so it's but they edit it all together so it's like that get, puppet but... master where they just use clips from the other ones. It's kind of, it's kind of <laughs> like Puppet Master, I'm sure, um, but not really, if you if you know what I mean. But this one is, which is, I mean, it's it's a grandiose idea. I like the idea behind it, and this is a debut too. <clears throat> so you have that going for it, and you have, I mean, you have James McAvoy in this. You have uh, Jessica Chastain. They play a married couple that recent. Their you know their marriage is on the rocks because of a tragedy that happened that they don't really get to. They take their time unveiling. Bill Hader's in this. There's a bunch of people in this movie, which is kind of surprising for, you know, a debut. But the biggest thing that that annoyed me was the fact that Chastain's character's name is Eleanor Rigby from the Beatles song. Yeah, that's what I was... So, and then they, they openly discuss it in the movie. And it's like, oh, why is your why is your name Eleanor Rigby? Were your parents big Beatles fans? Like, yeah, they were. <laughs> and there's like this whole thing, and it's like, I don't fucking care. Like, this is stupid. Why did you name your character Eleanor Rigby just so you could have this dialogue in there? Like, it just really irritated the shit out of me. And then of course, you know, they're like quoting the song, like when Eleanor Rigby's like sad and stuff, and 
Viola Davis comes in. She's like, all the lonely people. It's like, shut up. Shut your face. Stop quoting the song. Why did you do this? Did they play the song? No, they didn't. Well, I don't know. I play, you know, I watch movies with subtitles, so I really didn't hear a shit. But, uh... <laughs> but, uh, it just... It, it really distracted from the movie, because they keep bringing it up. And you're trying to have, like, these the heart-wrenching moments, and then you cut to... Let's talk about the Eleanor Rigby song that the Beatles did. It's like, why? Why are you doing this? And then also you throw in in uh, James McAvoy's section of the film. He owns a restaurant, and his, one of his best friends is the chef, who's played by Bill Hader. So there's all this comic relief thrown in there. And it feels like a completely different movie, almost like a, like a rom-com. It just feels really out of place. It's just It's kind of a mess, and it's extremely forgettable. Nothing really worked for me. The performances mm. are good and everything, but just overall, it doesn't work. But I don't know if that's just them doesn't work. I don't know about the two standalones, the his and her. I'd be interested so you, in seeing those two. Okay, so you you didn't see the other ones? No, 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 I didn't. Hmm. That's odd. I, I had no idea that these were like three movies. Because I remember when it came out, it was just called The Disappearance of Eleanor Rigby. I guess that was the two put together. I, yeah, I don't know how, I don't know what happened. At some point they did, like, break them up, or I guess they had to differentiate for people. I don't know. Hmm, that's odd. Uh, okay, so I guess you don't recommend no, that I one. Don't, I don't recommend that one, yeah. How'd you see that? I got that from Netflix. That was not streaming. It's not okay. streaming, sorry. So if you have the disc package on Netflix, you can get that one. Uh, I saw Hits, Hits, directed by David Cross. So this is like a uh, directorial debut, I believe, for David Cross, and it it's a comedy that kind of it kind of uh, pokes fun at society, and it doesn't really focus on any one. It, it kind of just is, it just blankets over everybody and kind of holds up a mirror to society in a way. Okay, but. Um, it's funny. It's funny because when I, as soon as I got out of this movie, actually, I called you right, right when I got out of this movie because we were going to be talking about what we were recording, and I said it was really funny and you should check it out. Uh, I had a couple days since then, and I've cooled on it a little bit. I, it, it's kind of a mess, and I knew that coming out of it, but I kind of gave it a pass because I did find it to be very funny and and relevant but now that i'm a few days removed all i can really remember is the fact that it was kind of a mess you know what i mean (laughs) you forgot all the fun yeah because i forgot a lot of the jokes there was one there was one joke that was um it wasn't a joke it was just a scene where matt walsh was he was like printing (laughs) he's printing out a picture and they kept the camera just poised on him waiting for this picture to print out of his old HP PhotoSmart printer. And it was just such a funny scene because they didn't cut, they didn't pull it away, they just left it there, and he's just standing there watching this page come out of his printer. And it takes like three minutes. Oh, it was really funny. A lot of people come and go in this. Julia Stiles is in it for two seconds. Uh... Michael Sarah is in it for he plays a drug dealer in Brooklyn. 
and he's in it for a very small amount of time. There's several subplots that are interwoven, but uh, some of them they just kind of abandon. They leave characters hanging. Yeah. The the main character, the the girl that's on the poster, uh, basically she wants to be famous, and she's trying to get a demo tape made and submit it to The Voice, and all these people around her are becoming famous unintentionally through viral videos, and she starts to lose it. And judging by the poster with her and the gun, you think like it's going to be this big thing where she goes postal or whatever, but it doesn't really go there. Hmm. Amy Sedaris is in it. She's funny as always, but she doesn't have a lot to work with. Uh, she, she's kind of just a minor character. Yeah. Uh, Matt Walsh is is decent. David Kechner's in this. He's pretty funny as usual. I like the premise. The premise sounds great. Yeah, yeah. It's it pokes fun at a lot of stuff. It it pokes fun at uh, really really pokes fun at hipsters. It pokes fun at. People that are kind of obsessed with celebrity, you know, yeah. uh, people that that love to read the tabloid magazines and watch Teen Mom and stuff like that. Kind of middle America. Ugh. It takes place in a, in a small town in upstate New York called uh, Liberty. And it's a uh, it's a kind of a little one horse town. And a lot of it, they, they also poke fun at like town council meetings and the people that are obsessed with going to those and bringing up grievances with the city council and all of that. Mm. So there's, there's a lot to like about it. Uh, I think as a directorial Mm. debut, it's okay, but I think that he has, I think that he has some work to do as far as uh, getting everything to coalesce. There's some definite pacing issues and it started really losing me in the the final act i started getting a little bit bored with it but overall i do recommend checking it out i thought that it was quite funny yeah and that's hits hits that's another one that had a very similar kickstarter uh campaign a very similar one to what we do in the shadows where it this premiered at sundance last year and then it's in limited release right now, but there's some sort of... It, they had a Kickstarter that was successfully funded, and there's some sort of other release that's going to happen, too. It's... um, You know what it is? Mm. It's... You can choose what you want to pay to see this movie. Okay. And there, it's a, through a partnership with BitTorrent, actually. Okay. So we're you just, can, We're getting so many different... I know. Crazy distribution methods is- here. Everything's so you just can, getting out of hand. You can pay what you want to see the movie. I don't know if it's up now and available to do that now or if it's coming soon. But eh, if you can pay what you want, I'd say pay five bucks and see it. It's worth five dollars. It's, it's getting out of control. Mm-hmm. I just today I had uh, to get to download an EP. You had to go to a website and play an old eight bit game that they created. For it, and once you beat the game, you could download the EP. Nice, yeah, that's what's kind of fun. It's called bitchsword.com. Hmm. Play some bitch sword, bitch you, just, sword. you just pretty much annihilate people. I like that. Just keep hitting the space bar button, murder people, and then get an EP out of it. Good times. <laughs> uh, I have one that 
I just, just I'm confused as to how this happened, but I watched For Color Girls by Tyler Perry. Little, little TP action. Little TP, little tippery. That's what I like to call them. Uh, boy, I went into this. Okay, this got set up because my New Year's resolutions with watching films. I threw it out there. People, you know, give me some ideas, and I didn't think that it would, you know, go straight into like joke things. I'm of course. Yeah, I, I didn't even think of that. When you ask the internet for I suggestions, know. of course they're going to give you jokes. I know. I'm an idiot. I'm a, I'm a naive person. I thought maybe that would be like the fifth proposal. I didn't think it would be the first one right off the bat. And I didn't think of Tyler Perry being an option. But that's what I was given right off the bat. So I was like, fuck it. I'm going to watch them. I'm not going to back down. I'm going to grow a backbone. I'm going to watch some Tyler Perry movies. So pick five out. I'm looking into them, I'm thinking, okay, for Colored Girls, sounds interesting. This actually sounds like it could be a good movie. So I went into it completely open-minded. I'm like, Tyo Perry, show me what you got. You could not have made a worse first impression. This movie starts out, it's based on uh, like a theater play slash poem recital type thing. It's very it's kind of experimental. So in the opening of this, it's... The women in the movie reciting poetry Eesh. that it's based off of. Okay, so it's, you know Eesh. it's going through the night. Yeah, and you know I already hate voiceover, and then you add, then you make it like poetry voiceover. I mean, it's better than Terrence Malick's bullshit, but still, it's it's poetry. Um, so that's rough. And then while while that's happening on the screen, you have an interpretive dancer doing her moves, which I'm not a huge fan of interpretive dance. Okay. Still keeping an open mind, though. Still got that open mind. I'm like, this is not for me, but let's. Well, we can work through it. But then something terrible happened. Something that I can't, I can't forgive. And that's fucking terrible font choices in the opening credits. So these fonts start popping up with the names of the characters. So wait, are they? Is it just one <clears throat> font, or is it? The, are they using it's, separate no. fonts? Well, it starts Diff- off as different just, fonts. It's just one font at first. Just going through, you know, the actresses and the actors and the producers and such. Okay. Which is terrible looking. The color, everything's just awful. It's terrible. But then once the, the poem gets towards the end and it comes to the, you know, for color girls who have considered suicide and it's the last couple of lines and all the actresses are saying it at the same time, it starts popping up on the screen just on top of each other in numerous different terrible font choices. Ugh. One's one's worse than the ones before so it just it got out of hand quickly all that shit's going on and you're just like this is awful this looks so terrible and then it's all swiped off the screen by a flick of the skirt from the interpretive dancer oh no yeah (laughs) and we're into the movie so we got off on the wrong foot but i'm still there's a thread that i'm like okay i'm still gonna give you a chance this seems very interesting there's one positive each actress, and there's there's a ton of people in this. Janet Jackson. Uh, Felicia Rashad. Yeah. Are you kidding me? I didn't know she was in it. That was a pleasant surprise. Um, Tessa Thompson. Which, Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi Goldberg's in there. Uh, what's the... Is it Tandy Newton? Is that her name? Yeah, Tan, Tandy Newton. Tandy Newton. She's in there. I mean, there's a bunch of people in this, and they're all fantastic. But each one, they're... They have like their own plot lines. They all sort of live in the same apartment building. So it, it just sort of weaves in between their stories. Um, so each actress gets to have this like poetic monologue 
you know, where they're doing the original material of the original play. And once this happens, Tyler Perry stops everything that he's doing and he just keeps the camera fixated on their face and slowly pulls into nothing but their face takes up the screen. <clears throat> and it's just a, a ton of emotion and it's fantastic and they do a great job with the monologues. And that was really the only positive in the movie. And the worst part of this is you have a mixture of that poetic, lyrical work, dialogue and such mixed with Tyler Perry's writing, which really sticks out because mm. it's so, so basic. I mean, some of the most basic writing I've ever seen. And it gets intensified how bad it is because it's counteracted by poetic, extremely lyrical writing. And it just does not make a good mix. It's just bad. Hmm. And there's yeah, there's well, a, there's a number of other things. And he just he has no eye. His like all of his framing is terrible. And the movie ends like a play for some reason. And uh, it's just a lot of terrible decisions. And it, honestly, I'm not sure why he made this. Like I would, I think it could actually be a really good film if you had someone with some originality or some creativity throw a little experimental stuff into it. I wanted to I wanted to say real quick. Uh, this is slightly off topic. I forgot to mention that one th another thing that I loved about the Sweet Blood of Jesus was the opening titles. Oh yeah, yeah. I was a huge fan big, of those. Big fan of the opening titles. Loved it. Um, yeah. I, well, I doubt that I'll be seeing this one. <laughs> it doesn't appeal to me. You sure? I'm surprised you didn't. You should have started off with a Medea movie. I couldn't. I. That would, if that if would, you're gonna do Tyler Perry, you gotta do <clears throat> Tyler Perry. I knew I had thought about that. Let me be honest. I thought about it. I thought that that's the best way to go. That's but <clears throat> or maybe, I wanted to be fair. I can't start off with Medea because I'm just gonna I'm gonna hate it immediately. Maybe you should have started off with one of the because they released the original play on DVD. I know. <clears throat> And I thought, thought of doing that as well. I actually do want to see the original play. So I guess, I mean, Tyler Perry did that much. He got me interested in the play. So there's another positive. You have two positives. Well, there you have it. Where did you see For Colored Girls? Oh, I got I wasted a, a DVD on this one. Mm, yeah. Yeah. This is, pr you can probably, uh, <clears throat> you can probably see this on, you can rent it on iTunes. I don't suggest you do that though. Don't do that. Uh, I saw one that I would that I would recommend. It's called Wormwood, or Wormwood Road of the Dead. I have a I, I put a review up for this last night on the site, so you can check that out and read my more detailed thoughts. But basically, it's this movie's kind of billed as Mad Max with zombies, and it is very much like that uh the the influences of this movie are are very apparent from the beginning and i can see that that may be a turnoff for some people uh the, a lot of the camera shots a lot of the techniques used are uh, very raimi-esque um and Certainly the Mad Max, the, the George Miller influence is there too, yeah. just because they wear this crazy armor and they have these crazy looking masks and they take their, uh, this truck and they outfit it with armor and spikes and weapons and things. But 
I didn't have a problem with that at all because I had so much fun with this movie. I just, I had a blast with it. It was, um, it's a zombie movie, which immediately is going to turn people off because I think that by this point, most people are sick of zombie stuff. Uh, and, and I am too, just because normally there's not any kind of nothing new you know most of these low budget zombie movies are just not really bringing anything new to the table Mm -hmm. which is a shame because i do like zombie movies i'm still very into that this does several different things first of all the way that the the zombie virus act the, the way that it works in this movie is slightly different um the zombies give off this gas out of their mouth and it's a flammable gas oh my and goodness yes during the day they're slow moving zombies and they give off this gas at nighttime their bodies actually use the gas to fuel themselves and they become fast moving zombies yes so there's this kind of interesting dynamic the the because the virus is airborne anybody that is that doesn't have an a negative blood type becomes a zombie okay for some reason people that have a negative blood types are immune to the airborne virus however if they get bitten they still become a zombie so that's another dynamic the other thing is because the virus is airborne it somehow neutralizes fuel sources so gas uh, any kind of flammable uh substance has been neutralized and you can't use it so like their cars won't work anymore yeah because of this so they have to rig up uh, a way to they, they kind of rig up this mask so periodically they'll have to find a zombie and capture it yes and strap this mask on and use the zombie as a fuel source yes yes and yes but because at nighttime the the zombie uses the gas to fuel themselves, their own bodies. Uh, they can't drive at night, so they have to be really careful about where they stop and when it turns night and all of this. So a lot of a lot of new things going on in this. this movie. I was gonna it's say really it's kind of jam packed with new stuff here. Not not only that, but one of the main characters uh, it, it it focuses on a brother and sister. They get they're separated. They're trying to to find each other. The sister gets captured by the the government, mm. uh, and they're kind of doing experiments on her because she's immune. She has that A negative blood. She finds out that she actually has the ability to control the zombies. Oh, so shit. she ha- so she can actually sort of mind control the zombies around her and have them do things for her. You just threw a whole another layer in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's so much going on in this movie, but it's completely over the top, extremely fun. I mean, just action packed. There's so much going on in this movie. There's car chases, there's shootouts, there's tons oh. of, tons of blood and guts. Oh boy. A lot of dismemberments and heads being blown off and uh, just, I had a great time with it. Doesn't look amazing. Uh, it has a very digital feel to it. If you've seen any of those very low budget horror movies that that kind of just look like maybe the equipment they used wasn't the best and maybe the color correction wasn't of the highest quality. 
Uh, but it's still, I didn't have too much of a problem with the look of it. I gotta say, <clears throat> I I can forgive any of those things as long as because everything that you're telling me, all I want to know is is how are the effects? How does this stuff look? Uh, it looks good. Uh, there's a lot. There is. Um, mm, there's there's a, it's a mix of practical and CG. The CG doesn't look horrible. Now I know that you're much more sensitive to that than me. Yeah. And I'm pretty sensitive to it though. So I didn't have too much of a problem with the effects work. Some of it doesn't look great, but uh, it's it's okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I was okay with most of the effects. There is a lot of practical effects at use here. So okay, it's. I don't think that it it doesn't it certainly didn't get any points knocked off uh, for the effects in my book. Gotcha. So Wormwood it is playing in select cities and on demand right now. So even though it's a zombie movie and most of you are probably sick of those, I think that there's enough new new stuff here to warrant uh to warrant a watch. All right. Well, I got one for you. Because this is actually something that's coming up for you. Well, kind of. I gave you the roundup for Miklos Jankos. Mm-hmm. One, of your, one of your ones to watch this year. And I watched another of his film, which many consider to be his best. It's a war film called The Red and the White from 1967. Now, this is focuses on the Russian Civil War between the Reds and the Whites, the communists versus the Tsars. And I've never seen... A war film like this one. Um, Jankos and his cinematographer Somlo, Thomas Somlo, Jankos is known for long takes and like very fluid camera movements, and these scenes just go on forever. And the camera, you know, pulls in, it goes left, right, it's tracking this way, tracking that way, and it's just elaborate choreographed scenes. And then you throw that in the mix with wartime, and it just, it's fantastic. But the interesting thing is, is there's no central performers, there's no heroes, there's no villains, there's no like lead performers, nothing. You're just sort of, you're just kind of meandering through the war in the field around this area, <clears throat> and you're switching sides. You, you know, you're on the side of the Reds. You, they're the focus, and then the focus is the Whites, and you're completely, you're always switching back and forth between the two. Um, sides are changing constantly. It's fair. It's just, it's kind of chaotic. You really don't know what's happening or what's going on, or really, sometimes you're not even sure who is the focus. You're not sure if it's the reds or the whites. Um, and the most interesting aspect of this film is there's a lot of death in it. There's people being executed left and right. There's a lot of sadistic game playing. You know, they actually round up a bunch of prisoners and they're like, We'll let you guys go, you know, get out of here. And they take their shirts and they're just running around. But here inside this building, they blocked off all the exits. So they have no way of getting out, but they don't realize that until, you know, and then the soldiers are just kind of walking around laughing at them. And then they gun all of them down. But the interesting thing is you rarely see people being shot or executed. There's barely, there's almost no blood whatsoever. There's barely any on-screen death which to me just made it so much more cold and detached and just more brutal than any other war film i've seen Hmm. it's very interesting i've never seen a war film quite like this and it's extremely 
you get the sense that it's like a deeply, deeply rooted anti-war film, but yet there's nothing that you can actually point to in the movie and be like, see, this is him saying, you know, war's bad. There's nothing that actually comes out and explicitly says war is bad. It's very interesting. Highly suggest it. This is a 10 out of 10 for me. Woo. Yeah. I mean, I've just, I've never seen a war film like this. Uh, and that is the red and the white. 1967. I watched this one, Fandor. Fandor. Up on the old Fandor over there. Okay. Might have to, might have to check that one this out is, at some point. This is also, um, you can get an import DVD, um, second run DVD has uh, imported this, <clears throat> which I wish I got that instead because the quality on Fandor is a little, it's a little shaky. So I would like, yeah, I would like okay. to see the restored, remastered version. Okay. Uh, the only other one that I will mention is Kingsman, The Secret Service. So this this came out this this week, wide release. You can see it in your in your town, wherever you're at. Directed by Matthew Vaughn. This is the same guy that did Kick Ass and X Men First Class. Uh, it's it's based on a comic book by Mark Millar, who did Wanted and um, Kick Ass also, and it definitely has that vibe now i did read the comic book series uh, before seeing this i read it a lot quite a while ago so i don't remember everything that happens as far as comparing the two but it if i remember correctly it is pretty close to the comic book series it was just like a mini series so there was only like a, it was like a six issue maybe yeah. mini series but uh extremely violent this movie but at the same, in that same regard of very fun violence, it was the kind, it was a lot like Kick-Ass. Did you see, you, did you see the first Kick-Ass? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was sort of like that, where it's so over the top and ridiculous that you just laugh and you just have fun with it. And that's, that's very much how Kingsman is. Yeah. Seeing Colin Firth uh, wearing this amazing looking suit and looking very dapper, and then all of a sudden slaughtering an entire church of people. Whoa, a church. Uh, yeah, a church. And I'm not giving away anything, because in the trailer you see a large portion of that scene, or, or at least some of that scene. He kills everybody in the church. Women, men, whoever. Doesn't matter. Slaughters. He's just, he's just taking down everybody. And it's like... Uh, Indiscriminate like West- killing. It's a Westboro Baptist Church type deal okay. in Kentucky where they're like, you know, blasting the N-word and just being awful. And he ends up killing all At of them. At first, just can't take it anymore. <laughs> well, it's it goes along with the whole plot. So Samuel L. Jackson, it's, it's very much, so this movie's very much a spy, like a classic spy story. It feels like a, a 60s Bond style, danger diabolic spy movie okay. where you have lots of gadgets and you have the the villain that's got this crazy plan and Samuel L. Jackson plays that villain in this movie and he he has this he's like an internet billionaire and he has this uh this plan to save the world by eliminating most of the population of people he develops these sim cards yeah. that uh people put in their cell phones and when he triggers something it sends out a signal that uh, basically makes them want to kill each other. Whoa. Causes extreme aggression in people. Whoa. And 
the Kingsmen find out about this and they need to, to stop him. And a lot of the movie is about um, them recruiting a new, uh, looking, looking for new recruits. And they, they find this, this kid who his dad was a former Kingsman who was, who was killed in the line of duty. And uh, so they, Colin Firth kind of takes this kid under his wing. He's played by Taron Edgerton and uh, he trains him. Very fun movie. Very morally kind of reprehensible movie. It's uh, it's not a nice movie. It's very much like Wanted or Kick-Ass. It's, it's, uh, it doesn't make you feel good or anything. And it kind of makes you feel dirty for liking it so much. Yeah. Because it is pretty awful. There's heads exploding and limbs being chopped off and just a lot of nastiness in this movie but damn if it isn't fun and the the action scenes in this movie the way that they're shot and choreographed looks so fucking cool i mean <laughs> i cannot stress that enough the action in this movie is top notch loved it uh the, the movie itself as a whole just fine i didn't love it but I gave it a three out of five on Letterboxd, so I'd check it out. Just just know what you're getting into. Know that it is extremely over-the-top, graphic, brutal violence, uh, but done in a very fun way. If you liked Wanted and you liked Kick-Ass, the first Kick-Ass, yeah, this is worth checking out. All right. All right. I think I'll, I'll wait on this one. Yeah, I, I th- would recommend it to you. Just because it just it is completely over the top and fun, but I wouldn't say for Kevin to go out and we'll just see it right away. We'll we'll see because I just a little tidbit here. I started the Equalizer last night. Got the Equalizer, Denzel Washington. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know. Oh yeah, buddy. I didn't see it. I didn't. I, I, I well, I started it, and you know, we I made fun of it numerous times, but. Damn, if when that shit didn't start, I was just like, you know what? I'm in. I just want to see Denzel Washington kick the shit out of everyone. Just equalize all day, Denzel. Let's do it. And I want to hear your thoughts on John Wick. I'm that's the next one I'm getting. Because uh the equalizers got me in the mood. I didn't get to finish it yet. I just I I got to see one equalizing moment and it was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think you'll like Kingsman. There's a lot of cool gadgetry and things and the uh custom watches that you mentioned play, oh, yeah you gotta uh, yeah, got have them watches yeah, there's a lot of cl- a lot of close-ups on those they shock people they have uh nice and i think that they also have the ability to shoot uh they shoot like a dart neuralizing dart out of them i like anything that shoots a dart if you can work dart shooting into something, that's fantastic. There's a lot of dart shooting in Kingsman. It's just a badass movie. Okay. I just I really enjoyed it. I definitely recommend checking it out. Uh, are you ready to talk about some predictions? Let's do it. Fifty Shades of Grey. You said 34. I said 41. Actual 26. Ooh. Well, critics may not have liked that one, but the box office numbers are just... Through the roof. Kingsman, you said 74. I said 78. Actual 71. Eh, not too bad. Uh, right. Next week, we have The <clears throat> Duff. What, what is... Uh, I don't know. What the hell, I really what don't the hell is that? 
What is the Duff? Something about it's like it stands for something. Is it like a Duff Man movie? I wish. Duff Man origin story? I think the Duff means dirty, Wait. ugly, fat friend or no, something. No, designated ugly. Designated. Ugly, fat friend. De- designated ugly. Mine was worse. Dirty, ugly. What the, <laughs> the hell? And I, I like did. I like the poster for this. Looks, I looks hope awful. that the girl in the overalls is not the Duff because that is not a no. Like you're a hundred percent wrong on everything. The Duff is played by Bland from Arrested Development, Michael Sarah's <laughs> girlfriend, Anne. Uh, oh my! But she was in Scott Pilgrim too. Okay. And then the I guess the the hot girl, quote unquote hot girls played by the she was in Alexander and the horrible whatever day. Okay. That just doesn't make any sense. What are you thinking on this one? It's for like a two. Two. Alright, I'll say eighteen. Damn it, I don't know. Can I change mine? Okay. I wanna change it to zero. <laughs> I really I really feel that this is gonna be a zero. Alright, we also have Hot Tub Time Machine two. Did you see the first one? No, I didn't. I, I stand by that movie. I think that it's very funny. I saw it twice. Oh, you're all about it. And I, I think it was pretty funny. You love- well, with with a lot of comedies, especially the more kind of lowbrow comedies like Hot Tub Time Machine, you'll see it in the theater and you'll be like, man, that was really funny. And then you'll see it again. You'll be like, nope, not funny. Not into it. <laughs> That's... But with that one, the second time I saw it, I still thought it was pretty funny. So, with this one, I'm gonna say, hmm, this one looks pretty funny too. But I'll say 62, and that's a that's a hopeful 62. Yeah, that's that's pretty hopeful. I'm gonna say 32. Okay. And you don't know this because you can't see me, but I am so fucking cold. I'm cold too. This room is insanely cold. I think I'm dying. Your pipe there, me. Think so. I can't really we feel also, my feet. We also have McFarland USA. Oh God! When is the never-ending Kevin Costner train gonna stop? It just seems like know. every. And it week... seems like it's all sports movies know, too. What's man. up with that? And it's all like not only sports movies, but it's like race relations. For some reason, like Hollywood has decided that Kevin Costner is gonna tackle race in every movie and make the world a better place. Because Kevin Costner can get everyone to understand each other. He's breaking down walls, Kevin. He's breaking down every goddamn wall there is. Those barriers are being torn down by Costner. He is blasting barriers left and right. Uh, what are you thinking on McFarlane USA? Now, this is a Disney. <sighs> it's one of these Disney live-action movies. Which just <laughs> immediately translates to terrible. Yeah. I feel like they just came out with that one with with john ham not too long ago yeah that wasn't too long ago you're right which just came and went came and went <laughs> all i remember i don't even know what it's called all i remember is he just not has either. his jacket on his finger it's just fucking throwing it over the back over the old <laughs> shoulder get that oh god oh, McFarlane USA I'll say that the people are probably gonna like this the heartwarming bullshit like a 68 I'll say 51 on that one 68 for some heartwarming bullshit in limited release we have accidental love and all the wilderness All right. I imagine that we're gonna be 
reviewing all the wilderness next week. Little preview. Sounds good. We'll do that in the duff. Ah, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, the duff. The duff. Next week on video on demand. Not a whole lot. Oh man. All the wilderness and digging up the marrow, yep. which uh, I'm guessing that's a horror movie, but I don't really I would know anything about it. Marrow and digging and <laughs> digging up the marrow. It's a it's a romantic comedy. <laughs> romantic comedy. <laughs> Yeah. Bone marrow transplants. Back, yeah, so not, back alley not a whole bone lot. marrow transplants. Not a whole lot of releases next week. That's it. Yeah, that is, that's, that's light. Usually we have to like run through like seventy two movies, and I yeah, just no. like I go into like anaphylactic shock, just stare blankly into space. Hmm. Yeah, we'll do we'll do all the wilderness, and maybe we'll do we got a screener for uh, they look like people. Oh. I thought you were going to say the duff. You really want to see that, don't you? <laughs> You're really pushing for the duff. I don't know why, but I I like saying the duff. It's all caps, too, which is, makes it even more. Which means that more, you, could, you, emphasizes yeah, you, it you more. have to kind of yell it when you say the it. Duff. I like saying it. The duff. See, yeah, you can say it so many different ways. It's really fun. It's kind of like the sweet blood. That sweet, sweet blood. I wish they put two sweets in there. It would have been <laughs> no, better. you... It... It feels like it should, doesn't it? Yeah. It feels like it should have two sweets in there. That's sweet, sweet. I don't, I don't think one sweet is enough. I agree. Next week on DVD and Blu-ray, there are a number, or quite a few, Here, coming out here's, here's where my eyes will glaze over. Yeah. We got Birdman. I recommend that one if you haven't seen it yet. Dumb and Dumber 2. Uh, I would avoid that one if you haven't seen it yet. Dying of the Light. That's one with Nicolas Cage. I didn't see it, but... Nicholas Cage, so sure it's fantastic. The Homesman, I recommend that one. Although that's one that I've kind of cooled, cooled on, on, cooled on a little bit. Yeah, it's to me bit. it's a it's a really really well made film that's just not my cup. Not tea. a lot there. Yeah, The Interview. Uh, you can see that on Netflix. So if you have Netflix, yes. you can you can see The Interview right <laughs> fuck, now. Fuck DVDs. Are you kidding me? Life itself. Recommend that if you haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I would. Noah. Uh, Noah. I forgot Noah's about coming that. Out. I forgot yeah. about that. Did you see that? You didn't see that. Nah, yeah. no, I didn't see it. No interest. Uh, St. Vincent. Haven't seen that one yet either. It's the one with Bill Murray. No no interest in that. No actually. interest whatsoever. No. The Tale of Princess Kaguya. Oh, yeah. Kind of like that one. Now, see, that's one that's worth getting on Blu-ray, I would imagine. Hell, yeah. Snatch it up. On the VHS viral? Dude, stay. Stay away. <laughs> Just get... No. Don't even watch uh, it as a joke. Not as a yeah. like a little fun joke to play with your friends. Don't do that. Watch something uh, else. Yeah. Yeah. Terms and Conditions May Apply. That's a documentary about uh, like internet privacy. I, we interviewed the director of that a while back. I was going to say, that, that feels like you watched that like three years ago. Yeah, it was a long time ago, but... And also the theory of everything. Oh God! Skip that, please. Please do. Don't buy into the hype. That is awful. Yeah, that's one where the longer I'm removed from that one, the I more. Just, I oh my God! I, just, they, I despise it. The hate just grows so much with that movie every day. And anytime I see someone like bring it up, or you know, I get on Letterboxd and I see someone watched it, I just get so mad. Same here. Get angry. Same here. Any, uh, I think 
I think I saw at least one Criterion. Oh, we got list. we got one Criterion. We got Ozu, 1962, oh. an autumn afternoon. I'm not a big Ozu fan, but everyone there's Ozu has like a cult. Like people that are into Ozu, they're essentially a cult. So they'll be really excited about this one. Me couldn't give two shits about it. <laughs> so there you go. Mm. Get your Ozu. Which get your Ozu on. But if you're an Ozu fan, you've probably already seen this movie 47 different times and know every single thing about it, and you think it's the greatest thing that's ever been made, ever. So, hmm. I don't know why I'm shitting on Ozu. I guess I'm just in the mood in the mood to shit on some Ozu. Hmm. Alright, well, I think that that will wrap it up for the week. Send us your questions to podcastfilmpulse.net. We'll be sure to answer them on the show. Follow us on Twitter, at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And be sure to rate us on iTunes. We appreciate that very much. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson. And we'll see you on Thursday for Ryan Watches a Movie. And we will be back with Ryan Watches a Movie. Uh, For those of you wondering and don't follow us on Twitter, uh, he was sick last week. He had bronchitis, so he was unable to talk properly. (laughs) But... He's he's feeling better now, so oh boy, so we'll be back this week. Oh, it's exciting! All right, thanks for listening. Run fast, don't stand in the sun. There's too much work to be done. You're down, you're down, you're down, you're down and out of this world. Now you said this is on Vimeo. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> 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 <laughs>